pass on the baton uh, to the next generation. As from next year, uh, we will go down, I'll go down from working five days a week to three days a week. Uh, when Pastor Steve and Bex come back from sabbatical at the end of January, uh, Steve will become the senior pastor of Eden Christian Centre. There is a, seat, a time in a relay race where um, the pastor and the receiver both have their hands on a baton at the same time. We're in that season. Uh, just over the next year to two years, I'll work with Pastor Steve and just helping and encouraging him pass the baton to him. And then my role as Senior Minister of Elam Christian Centre will become redundant. We believe that there is a great season ahead for the church. We're excited about what's happened over the past 34 years, but we're even more excited about what's going to happen in the future. We have an amazing team of leaders, uh, both at the lead pastor level and at the uh, oversight level, and, and the team that goes down from there. We're just so excited. We believe that there's an exciting future ahead for the church, and it's in good hands. So I encourage you, get in behind Pastor Steve, and really give him your support for this next season. Very cool, isn't it? Pastor Luke and Marilyn, uh, probably two of the most humble people I've ever met. Um, they are so into releasing the next generation. And I love the fact that we're a part of an organization, a church, where this transition is going to happen well. And uh, we, you know, we're just so excited about seeing Vic taking over. Uh, four and a half years ago when we moved up here, we knew we were coming up to serve under Luke and Marilyn, but obviously we had a, had a bigger picture of uh, where things might be in the next 20, 30 years. And uh, God spoke to us very clearly that it would be through Vic that that was taken over. And so we came up with the full expectation that we would one day be serving under them as well. So uh, we're excited about it and can't wait to see what God's going to do through them to, to refresh and reconnect with God and with vision. Not that they haven't had a vision with them, but you know what I mean. Um, sometimes you've got to get away from people to, to, to get, get some time. And um, So can I encourage you over these next two months, every time you think about them, pray for clarity of vision. Pray for a deeper connection uh, with God, that uh, as a family they would connect and then where you run and where there's a leader uh, with the vision that God places on their heart uh, to serve you. So exciting times ahead. Hey, how many people enjoyed the International Sunday last week? How cool was that? Oh my goodness, uh, just to see the, the color, the life, the culture, uh, it was just so special. Next week, uh, so next year, uh, we've got a very special, we're going to be doing an international food stall as well. Uh, so we're going to take it to another level. If that's something that interests you, come and see me or message me on, on Facebook, and uh, we're going to put a team together uh, to put on our own little uh, uh, international food festival next year. So uh, it's going to be exciting. One of the things that I, I, I observed watching over the cultures and the, the color and the, and the language, I, I, I realized that there's so many different traditions and customs that people have in Christendom. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but... If you've ever traveled to another country or even another part of England, we moved from Taipei down to Howard, the culture shift right there, um, going from one to the other. But in, in other nations, you go into another nation and the, you can suddenly hear the accent, like completely. There's some sort of language that comes through the culture and customs. Something that you took for granted, something that was quite normal in that is now something that you've never seen or experienced before. I remember the first missionary trip I, I led. I'd been on a few trips before where I didn't have to worry about things and I could kind of follow the leader. But um, I turned around on this mission trip and realized that I was the leader. You know, that no one was leading me. They were following me. And uh, that's scary, I know. Some of you are really terrified of it, that thought. Um, but we, we were going to Bangladesh, but on the way we went to Thailand. And uh, here I was, the, the shared leader. I uh, had all the details on my phone, uh, fully charged 
phone uh, that was fully charged when I got off the plane, turned the phone off, got into Thailand, went to turn my phone on, and it didn't turn on at all. Put the charger in, nothing. Got nothing in the Indian trip. So I had all the information about the trip, details, location, everything is on my phone, and my phone is not turning on. And so I'm wondering what to do. All I remember was that the motel that we're staying in is called Jumbo Tower. Now, I didn't know whether Jumbo Tower was one of the 65 hotels in Bangkok or whether it was just a standalone, but Jumbo Tower is the one I remember. Yeah, one of those, I don't know if you understand me and I don't know if you really understand me, and I was about to go on a very expensive trip to nowhere. That's kind of what I was thinking. With three teenagers, two who have never gone out on the North Island, and one who vomited the whole flight over. <laughs> so we hopped into this taxi, going who knows where. Fortunately, we ended up at the Jumbo Tower. And we, uh, we, we got to the place we were supposed to, and managed to turn it on. Rookie error, always take, take comments and take screenshots and get into technology many times. Um, but uh, when we arrived in Bangladesh, I wanted to get the barking done. Anyone ever tried barking before? It's not a practice that goes down so well in the local store here. But um, might do if you ask the vendor for discounts, you could ask for some. Um, but so, so I wanted to buy the shirt, and the shirt looked great, and I thought I'm going to get it for this guy. And uh, so the person who was with me said, would you like health insurance? No, and I've got this. I got it for him. So I had the shirt. So I, I bartered down this price and come out with this amazing shirt. Just an absolute bargain. And he smiles at me and says, you realize that you were here at a ridiculous price, like a, you know, a typical foreigner's price, you know, who shouldn't know any better, and you went up on that. And I'm like, oh, oh well, <laughs> that was a bit jerk. I enjoyed it. <laughs> but but I, I've thought about all the different aspects of the culture that I had to fit into when I was in Bangladesh. You know, is the shoes off at the door? Is the shoes on? Um, do I hug? Is a hug appropriate or inappropriate? I'm a bit of a hugger. And so um, was it inappropriate? Apparently it was. So, um, you know, high fives, handshakes. You know, what, what are we supposed to do? Then it's food. Do, do, is it, you know, knives and forks and utensils? Or is it just go with the locals and just lick your hands and, you know, take a shower with the water and away you go? I think my kids would love to be in Bangladesh the way they eat. You know, just eat with the spoons in their hands. But it, it made me realize that so often culture and customs, we don't know quite how to handle those. And it can actually be a form of conflict. And this is what Paul was experiencing in the book of Romans and a conversation that was going on between the, the Jews and the Gentiles that, 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 you know, there was confusion around these cultural practices. And we're going to pick this up in Romans chapter 14 and uh, try to get past this this morning. Uh, verses 13 through to 18. It says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your minds not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced that this leads to fault. But if anyone regards such a stumbling block, he loses that person and he does something on behalf of his brother. Do not buy your reasoning to persuade someone for whom Christ died. Put a strong faith in him. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing God and is pleasing even to me. Let's pray as we begin this morning. Father, we thank you for, for your word. Thank you that it, it is a light for us, that we don't have to go 
God, I pray that you'd give us what you thought about us and what you thought was right for us and what you thought was good for us, that we would understand that our right answer is back to you. Lord, that, that you speak to us and may we adjust the way we move our hearts to understand your incredible grace and your incredible love. Today I want to talk about living guilt, not living free, but guilt-free. Come on. How many people would like to live guilt-free? You know, one of the things that is continually bombarding your mind, the, the, the things that just keep frustrating you, the things that, that keep upsetting you, the things that you keep telling yourself you're not good at, anyone struggle, wrestle with kind of those thoughts in our mind? I, I think it's common for most of us to struggle with those thoughts. Um, in this passage, Paul was in the middle of a series of arguments around around these things with the Romans and with the Gentiles and the Jews who were struggling with this. Uh, the church was filled with Jewish believers who were staunch at, at, you know, about the practices of, of following the letter of the law. Then there were the Gentiles who were coming into this new faith and maybe didn't quite have the understanding and were just trying to learn and grow and try and understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. A number of the commentators on, on this passage is um, talking about church practice, notice that the non-Jewish Christians in Rome were, would often kind of mock or hassle the Jewish believers, particularly around three different areas. And uh, these three areas, um, I'll, I'll mention them again this morning, but I want to pick up on one of them. The first area was holy days, the Sabbath, the, the day of rest, the day of worship. And, and there was contention over which day was the most important, which day should be the, the Sabbath. And, um, and so, so Paul says one person considers one day to be more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully considered in your own mind. And Paul was backing up what Jesus spoke about as well. And Jesus said, don't, don't worry about necessarily the, the calendar days, but make sure there's one day per week where there is rest and worship. Now, I love the fact that in creation, God created Adam and Eve, and the very first day they ever got to experience was the Sabbath, was rest, was worship. For some people, working on a Sunday is just what they have to do, so the Sabbath may be a Saturday, or a Friday, or a Monday, or a Tuesday. The most important thing is that the Sabbath is for rest and worship. We understand that. It doesn't matter what day. But they were worried about it. They were concerned about it. They were arguing about which day is most important. The second area is circumcision for this morning. Uh, I won't go into much detail. But if uh, you'd like to know more about it, I think uh, Peter Carter's going to be quite happy to do a study on it. Um, he's not here, so I can say that. So maybe throw him a connect card and say you'd like to attend a circumcision small group or something like that. Uh, in fact, if you want to go on a mission trip in the Bible, they, they circumcise willowies. So that could be a qualification for our next mission trip, maybe. Woo! If we move on to the third area, just all the males across with their legs right now. Third area was food. Come on, who loves food? Hey, some of us love it a bit too much. Uh, but most cultures had very different guidelines around when it comes to eating and tasting food. So what should be eaten and what shouldn't be eaten. Now, the Jewish people, they'd received their law from God, and so they were fanatical. They were absolutely about keeping the letter of the law when it came to food. During the Maccabean period, historians tell us that many died as martyrs because they refused to eat pork. Like, whoa, they lost their lives because they refused to eat pork. Now, I'm hoping if, if a gun was ever put to my office, I'm confident that 
Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And I would lose my life for that. But if I was given the option of death or force, meeting force, I'm like, make it extra crispy. I'm in. <laughs> you know, that would not be an issue for me. I mean, the argument is there was, there was relationship being fractured because what the law should have been, which was to provide freedom for people and, 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 and bring hope and, and life to people, was becoming something that became death. The law became death because the ability to follow it was compromised. Now, Jesus spoke about the law, you know, one of the lawyers, you know, came and said, what is the most important commandment? If, if we were to label them, if we were to give one as the most important, what would it be? And so, so Jesus says, love your neighbor, uh, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. If you get that right, everything else hangs on that. The law and the prophets all hang on loving God and loving people. So Jesus was very clear when he said, this is the most important commandment. I've come to realize that if we, even in church life, in our modern day church, if we let tradition or custom get in the way of relationship with others, the way we do things, the, which Bible version we read, or whether we do it at the start of the service or the end of the service, or whatever it is, these things can, can become so tensious, relationship with God and relationship with people. And the danger, Paul was saying, is if you fight tooth and nail for your traditions and your customs, it could mean that then you end up losing your brother or sister in Christ. So how do we live pleasing God and find ourselves in favor and in right relationship with others? So our verses 17 and 18 are here. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and pleasing could have said the kingdom of God is not a matter of whether you celebrate a Saturday or a Sunday. It could have been, it's, it's not a matter of whether you wear this clothes, you know, this type of clothing or this type of clothing, or, or whether you, it, it doesn't matter what it is. The food you eat, the, what you drink, it's all about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. So let's look at these three things because we'll see that they actually flow in to one another. The first one is righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is a complicated sounding word that in plain speak and and our understanding is right living or living right with God. To be righteous means to be right with God. How do we become right with God? Just tick a lot of boxes, don't we? You know, here's all the laws, here's all the rules. You want to become a follower of God. You, you, you want to be righteous? You've got to do a whole lot of things, right? Well, that's what religion looks like. But that's not what righteousness is. That's not the righteousness that we should be believing for, or hoping for, or living and experiencing in our life. The righteousness I'm talking about is the righteousness Paul is talking about is a righteousness found in one person, in Jesus. A righteousness that is found in Christ alone. No one else. I, I don't know about you, but I've tried ticking the boxes of religion. I've tried being good enough for God. I had this conversation with a couple of people this week. Maybe God will, maybe I'll do enough in this world where God will be happy with me. What, good luck with that. Because I don't know about you, but I, I continually fall flat on my face. 
think, I, I want to do the right thing, and then just wrestle with poor resolution. And what I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Is that just my dilemma, or is there anyone else in this place that, that it just keeps getting the better of me, this thing called sin? And so if I right have righteousness deep with joy in my life, I'm done. I don't have what it takes. Romans 13, 3, Paul says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So the whole the whole book of Romans, the first first ten of chapters, is focused on the law and the effects of the law on human beings. But Romans 3.23 says, no one righteous, not one. And that covers all of us, doesn't it? It's like there's no good news in there, right? Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, bad news. That's me. That's you. That's all of us. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is even worse. The wages of sin is death. We get paid for our sin. Death. There's no good news. But the good news is in the middle there, in Romans 5.8. Thank God for this man named Tony Bostock. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news. That's what we can trust in. His righteousness, not our own. Hebrews we're told it's impossible for Paul, who also sounds weird, it's impossible to please God unless we have faith in Jesus. Our faith in Jesus is what pleases God. We think of the reverse. We think I can actually please God by having faith in Jesus. That guilt is eliminated. Righteousness is found in Christ. I love this, Philippians 3.9. Again, This is a big theme for Paul. He keeps coming back to it right across all the the letters he wrote to the churches. He said, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. My faith in Jesus is where my righteousness is found. Just because he says Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. But in exchange for my sin, for life, my bondage to through what Jesus did for you and for me. We don't receive the forgiveness of sin, the principle of this grace. We just receive the lifetime payment of our sin. Trying to get right with God. If I just turn up to church on Sunday, you know, even, even if I turn up to a small group, do those drugs, do all those things, the bank account for nothing really. You know, at the end of the day, we don't have our relationship with confidence with Jesus. Now, all of that adds value to our relationship. But what matters most is our relationship with Jesus, that we would find ourselves in his and in whom his righteousness rests. Let's put ourselves in the complete picture. Not, not, not a side bet, you know, just, just I'll, I'll, I'll put, put a bit on Jesus just in case the rest of my world doesn't work out. We're talking all of us. Full plate, nothing held back. The good, the bad, the ugly, the the all of that. Saying, Jesus, you alone. Sung it this morning. Jesus, you alone. My righteousness is found in Jesus. You alone. That is the truth that we need to understand. Something quite remarkable takes place when we realize that we can't do it ourselves. 
You might come to that one too. It's not good enough. Can't do it. Have a go what it takes. Something incredible happens in that place. We stop striving. We stop competing. We stop trying to please people. We stop trying to get through the checklist. And what comes? What follows from there? The second part of this verse. Righteousness. Peace. We get peace. We get peace when we understand that our righteousness is found in Christ alone. Because we don't have to strive like we did before. There's some people who are heavy laden with burdens. God is wanting to speak to them. We're going to time and minister at the end of our first service and we'll do it again today. Dozens of people just come and speak the joy and we're going to give that opportunity in just a few moments. But peace, Romans 8, 1 verse 1 to 2 says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. No condemnation. Because through Christ Jesus, the, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law will bring death, but the Spirit of life through Jesus brings life. When we find life in Jesus, we are no longer under that law. Verse 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is death. That leads to deciding that I'm going to be a better person and try to be a better person. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life. Come on, come on how many people need some peace in their life? We just stop striving, stop trying to be good enough. We won't get there. If you haven't worked out by now, we've got an enemy. His name is Satan. He's got a very simple mode of attack. He will keep taking our path, all the things we've done wrong, and he'll keep throwing it at us. What about that time when you lead in your workplace, in your business, in your schools, in your church? You stand up and, and you get these accusations. Yeah, but what about when you? What about when you lied? What about when you denied Jesus? What about when you stole? What about when you lusted after that person? What about when? This is the, what the devil wants to throw at us. Can I let you in on a little secret? I'm not good enough to be anybody's wife. I'm not. Based on my own performance. But I stand here with peace in my heart and in my spirit. Why? Because Jesus did it all. He did it all for me and he can do it all for you. I'm no different to anyone else. I, maybe I've just come to this conclusion that, Jesus, you did it for me. And that makes me wake up every day going, thank you, Jesus, because I can't do it on my own. I think some people have to receive that today. Your peace can be found in the fact that Jesus has already done it all for you. Now, some of you are going, hold on, wait, wait, wait a minute. So what, what you're saying is, 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 if, is if that grace is available for me, that means I can just keep on sinning and grace will keep coming. The more I sin, the more grace. Well, Paul also had that argument or that conversation with a group of these people. He was saying that if I sin more, then, then maybe grace will abound and I'll get more grace. It doesn't work that way. When my relationship with Jesus is right because of what he did and my faith in him, I, I look at sin that, that grabbed me before and I have that as an option, as a temptation, and I have a relationship with Jesus. And I go, you know what? I, 
just told them to work for him. That is not attractive like the drunk. Now, I'm not saying that I'll go to prison because he's not guilty. And I will sin. And I will make a mistake. And I'll choose the wrong thing. So I'm not saying I've got to that place of perfection. Far from it. But that doesn't drive me like it used to. Because my relationship with God matters more. So my hope and my trust is in him. Like my relationship with Amy, she has forgiven me more times than I wish she had. But that forgiveness and continual and relentless forgiveness that she offers me doesn't mean I think, wow, great, I can go out and be unfaithful and, 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 and be mean and horrible to her because she'll just keep forgiving me. Because every time I do that, I know it hurts her. Because I love her, hopefully I don't do it as much as I used to. We don't become sinless when we give our lives to Christ, but we do forgive. Because that doesn't attract us like it used to. And if this is still attracting us, don't strive, just get close to him. Just get as close as you can to him. When you're feeling that, when you're desiring that, whatever it is, and you know what that is, whatever I'm holding here, you know what it is. Don't fight that. Just get close to Jesus again. The closer we get to him, and then the things of the world grow fairly dim. Strangely dim. See, the devil can accuse me all he likes, but I'm not going to sit under his condemnation. Because Jesus already paid the price for my freedom, my forgiveness. Let's go sit at his feet. Let's go listen. Hear his voice speak to you again. I love you, Mike. You messed up. I love you, Mike. You messed up again. I love you, Mike. Hasn't changed. Doesn't matter how many times. I don't know what number you're up to, but I've been close in the tens of thousands. <laughs> he dearly loves me. He loves me. He's so good. So, we've got righteousness. We've got peace. Let the team come this morning. We've got one thing left. Joy. Come on, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Seriously, I, I think some Christians need a bit more joy in their life. Need to enjoy financial joy. I'm not talking about a, a, a joy that says we Liverpool beat Manchester City last week and it was a beautiful thing. Come on. Circumstantially, that may be real and happy. It's a good day. It was a great day. But I have no idea. No idea. Come Christmas time. Not believing that. Not speaking that into existence. But if my joy is based on my circumstances... I'm up and I'm down and I'm a moody person and you don't want to live with me. What if my joy is in knowing that my righteousness and peace is in Christ alone, that my faith is unshakable because he has done it all? What if my joy comes from a peace that knows that that's a reality, that even if I lose everything, I've still got Jesus. I still have my family. I still have my relationship with him. What if it's a joy it's spoken about in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength, is your strength. Now, this is a statement that was made with a group of people that were trying to rebuild the walls around the temple, trying to rebuild the temple under immense pressures and trials and sacrifice, and yet the declaration was joy in the Lord is my strength. I'm talking about a joy that James talks about when he says, count it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I mean, who even says that? rejoice. 
I think we just stop praying this way. I'm just tired of praying it. When a trial comes my way, I don't go, yay, thank you, God. You know, I really love trials, but my response now is not, why, God? Why? My response now is, God, what do you want me to learn from this? Because if trials bring perseverance, and perseverance brings character, if I want to become more like Jesus, I'm like, okay, I will happily welcome a trial if that's what it takes to move me from here to here in Jesus. Right here. Joy, do you have it this morning? Are you experiencing right this morning? Can I just shake you right now this morning? A peace that in the middle of the storm, Jesus can sleep in a boat while the storm is raging around him? Come on, some of you, the storm is unbearable, but you can have peace in the middle of a storm because Jesus hasn't left the boat. He's still in there with you. The joy, the joy that bubbles out from him. Because listen to this. This is what I love about this passage. Righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. Who serves Christ in this way is, listen, pleasing to God and receives human approval. So we're not striving for human approval anymore because our righteousness is found in Christ. We're not striving to please people anymore because our peace is found in Him. But the outcome of this is what? Pleasing to God and human approval. I think that's great. I think that's good news. I think some people need to hear this. They need to receive this. Your righteousness, your peace, your joy is found in the Holy Spirit. So as we close the service this morning, we're going to pray for people. We're going to lay hands on those that would like to pray for people who need to capture that again. The righteousness, the peace, the joy of the Holy Spirit. If you're lacking in any of those things, in a moment I'm going to invite you to come. I think it's a step of faith sometimes we need to take. Physically, to get up out of our seat and say, I am taking step of faith. I am making a declaration. Would you come in just a moment? But before we do that, we want to give an opportunity to anyone who's sitting here today saying, I, I, I don't know that I've got the righteousness of Christ in my life. If, if my life ended today, I don't know that I would be right with God. Today, we ask you from your heavenly Father, who loved you so much that he gave his only son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and my sins so that my sins could be forgiven, your sins could be forgiven, and we could be right with God again. Because Jesus did it, that's where our righteousness is found. I stand here in the righteousness of God. I stand here in the peace of God. I stand here in the joy of God. If you're here today and you don't have that in your life, would you bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to pray a prayer. Would you pray this prayer, inviting God to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, set you free, so that you would know the wholeness and the freedom of Christ. Would you pray it in your heart or would you pray it out loud? Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you that my righteousness is not in my own efforts, but in Christ alone. I receive your gift of forgiveness, your gift of grace, every head bowed and eyes closed. We want to connect with anyone who's prayed that prayer. Maybe for the first time or you've come back to God 
We don't want to embarrass you, but we want to just have a coffee with you afterwards and help you take the next step. If that was you, with every head bowed, eye closed, on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? Say, that was just me. We're going to have a conversation with you afterwards and help you take that next step. One, God loves you. Two, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Three, come on, right across this place. You pray that prayer, why don't you raise your hand now? Anyone here this morning? Coming back to God or maybe for the very first time? Coming back to God. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We declare that we stand in faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can receive a peace that passes all human understanding. And we can experience a joy beyond our circumstances. We step out totally in your strength, knowing you have called us to do so. Would you stand with me as a church? We're going to worship. And as we do, we're going to receive our, our offerings. Uh, just come prepared. Team, team, team will come down the aisle and just pass the buckets along. They'd be filled in the connect card. Feel free to pop that in there. What I want to encourage you as the team start to play, would you come forward? If you are lacking the righteousness, the peace, the joy in your life, just come. Come and receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Some people just need to get baptized again in the Holy Spirit. Some people have just gone empty and gone dry, and God's saying, I want to fill you up with everything I've got for you. Why don't you just come as we begin to sing, and uh, let's just take some time for worshiping God's presence.
peace is my portion, your joy is my strength. Your peace is my portion, your joy is my strength. Your peace is my portion, your joy is my strength. You shed your blood. You shed your blood for salvation. You broke the curse for our freedom. shed your blood. You shed your blood for salvation. You broke the curse for our freedom. Jesus, you alone. He did it all. You rose from death. You rose from death with the Shine upon them and be gracious to them. Father, I ask that you would turn your face towards. 